Okay, so we're back. So I'm gonna do uh, Nahum and Habakkuk. Okay, so Nahum. <coughs> Uh, we don't know exactly when, when he uh, he uh, prophesied the exact date, but we we can piece it together because there are certain historical things that are mentioned. <clears throat> Nahum is um, a prophet to to Nineveh. He doesn't go to Nineveh, I don't think, but he. He gives us oracle concerning Nineveh. You can see that in verse 1, an oracle concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum of Elkosh. So as we saw, remember with Obadiah, Obadiah's book was, was a judgment oracle on Edom. Okay. And so Nahum is now on, on Nineveh. Okay. So Jonah had gone to Nineveh. Uh, the Lord had done a work there, but it wasn't a long-lasting work. Because it seems like the next generation um, mm. comes becomes quite e- very evil and so Nahum like seven forty. Na- so no, Nahum is is uh, after the fall of Israel. So remember, the fall of Israel is seven twenty two. And as I said, we don't know the exact date, but we know the period because he prophesies the destruction of Nineveh or the fall of Nineveh by the Babylonians, by the Chaldeans. Okay, so remember, that's the next empire that arises after the Assyrians. It's the Babylonian Empire. And then remember Daniel's vision. After the Babylonian, it's the Medo-Persian Empire, then the Greek Empire, and then that divides into four, and then the Romans. Okay, so... So he, he predicts the fall of Nineveh. We know that Nineveh falls in 612... BC, okay, to the to the Babylonians. Babylonians are also called the Chaldeans. Mm. Um, How was there? Why did God send prophets to Nineveh? Uh, so the so the one sending Jonah, I think, was a reminder to Israel that they're supposed to to um, to to the nations. Okay, it's it's a, one of those displays of God's kindness to the nations. Um, the oracles of judgment on the nations are because of their sin. Okay, so they 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 show that God is righteous. Okay, He will judge the nations as well. And remember, we've seen that with all the prophets, pretty much every yeah. single one. But like Isaiah and Jeremiah and that Ezekiel, there are oracles of judgment on the nations. So. The prophets will speak to, to, to Israel or to Judah or both. And then they'll also have these oracles of judgment on the nations mm. so that God is just. Uh, and so here, this is an oracle of judgment on Nineveh. So um, it's written before 612 because it's a prophecy of judgment on Nineveh. And Nineveh falls in 612. But he mentions the city of Thebes. So Thebes was in Egypt uh, on the Nile River. It was one of the capital cities and was a very powerful city. 
um, protected by the Nile River, and it was sort of impregnable in a certain sense. It was seen as impregnable, and yet Thebes falls to the Assyrians in 663 BC. So he references that if you can, uh, if you go to <clears throat> chapter three, verse eight. He says, remember, he's talking to Nineveh. Are you better than Thebes that sat by the Nile with water round her, her rampart a sea and water her high wall? Cush was her strength, Egypt too, and that without limit. Put and the Libyans were her helpers. Yet she became an exile. She went into captivity. Her infants were dashed in pieces at the head of every street. For her honored men, lots were cast and all her great men were bound in chains. So that's the fall of Thebes. So we know that happened in 663 BC, and we know Nineveh in 612. So it's, during, it's between this period. Okay. So we think most likely sort of the, the clever people, 650 to 628, somewhere around there. Okay, so that's mine says, are you better than Noah Mon? Is that another name for Thebes? Yes, so there's a, a um, the Hebrew name is Noah Mon. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the Greek is Thebes. Or the, yeah, yeah, uh, may well be the Greek or, yeah, it probably would be the Greek. Um, okay, uh, you can even see in that passage that I was reading from chapter 3, verse 11, so he explains the fall of Thebes, verse 11, you also, so Nineveh, will be drunken, you will go into hiding, you will seek a refuge from the enemy. Um so, uh, this is all going to happen to you, okay? So, it's, it really goes through, and it's, it's, a lot, it's poetic, but going through, God is going to judge them. He's going to punish Nineveh. Um, because of their, their sin. And remember, I told you last time, these nations were incredibly cruel and violent. Um, they, they would... Look at verse 10 of chapter 2. Desolate, desolation and ruin. Hearts melt and knees tremble. Anguish is in all loins. All faces grow pale. Where is the lion's den, the feeding place of the young lions, where the lion and lioness went, where his cubs were, with none to disturb? The lion tore enough for his cubs and strangled prey for his lionesses. He filled his caves with prey and his dens with torn flesh. That was what they were like. They were like these powerful, it was like a powerful lion, Assyria. Destroying the nations, okay? Uh, bloodthirsty, powerful. And we know from history, as I told you before, uh, of the incredible violence. And now God is saying, I'm going to do the same to you. Okay? What you did to the nations is going to happen to you. Um, Okay, so um, but it's again, God is slow to anger. Look at verse three of chapter one. Well, let's read from verse two. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries. 
and keeps wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. So <clears throat> God is often is patient with these nations, but eventually the time comes for judgment. Um, okay, then... Um, So yeah, that's pretty. So you know, that's the message: destruction of Nineveh, and this would be again a reminder to the Israelites: God is just. Okay, yes, Nineveh, Nineveh, the Assyrian Empire conquered you, and brought tremendous misery, but that was because of their sin. But I'm also going to deal with, with them. Okay, so. Um, Yes, God will. So God will do. Deal with everyone. Ev- everyone. According to their um, their, 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 their deeds. Okay, um, that brings us to Habakkuk, uh, which is which is a fascinating uh, book. I think it's it's almost humorous at one level. I mean it's. It's incredibly uh, serious, so it's not written as a comedy or anything like that. But it, it, uh, um, I think the way that it comes across is is you can get Habakkuk's heart. Okay, so um, we we again we're not certain exactly when he's. When he when he is um, writing, uh, we think so six oh eight to five ninety seven. So this is after the destruction of Israel. He's a he's a he's at the time of Judah. Uh, Judah is five eighty six. Five eighty six. Correct. When they destroyed, and you remember from when we looked at Daniel and Ezekiel and things like that, that and Jeremiah. Uh, 605 is when um, the Babylonians defeat Pharaoh Necho at Carchemish and uh, Pharaoh Necho had um, uh, killed the, the Egyptians had killed Josiah who was a good king and so 605 is the Babylonians become owners of Israel, or of Judah, okay? And that's the first deportation. Remember, Daniel goes in that deportation. Oh, right. and, um, and then there's another one in, I think, 597 or 598, and then the final destruction is 586. So we think that this is after Josiah, because after Josiah, Josiah was a good king, and he brought reforms, he tried to get Israel back to to obeying God's law and the Old Testament uh, worship. But after he dies, it, it's, it goes south again. Okay? 
And, and so Habakkuk starts, there are these um, cries to God, and then God responds to him. Okay? So there are um, two of them, and then at the end, uh, he, he responds with prayer and praise and submission. Okay? So first of all, he starts by saying in verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry for? and you will not hear. Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. So his complaint to the Lord is, Lord, so he's living in Judah, probably after Josiah, Things are, are not good. There's no justice. There's corruption. There's violence. There's anarchy. And he's saying, Lord, why don't you hear? I'm crying out to you. Why don't you do something? Why don't you stop this? Okay, we've seen that with the Psalms. I'm sure in our lives we experience that. Lord, why don't you do something? Um, it's like you're not acting. The Lord responds to him, verse 5. And he says to Habakkuk, look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans. So remember who the Chaldeans? The Babylonian Empire. The bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. Verse it says their faces are set like the east wind. And the East Wind is another name for the Holy Spirit, eh? No. Wasn't the angel of death the East Wind came and they killed the firstborn? Not. Yeah, I'm not certain on that. It's the first I've heard. I know the wind, the Ruach, the wind can refer to the Holy Spirit. This isn't referring to the Holy Spirit, though, because these are baddies. (laughs) This is the Babylonian Empire. So, what the Lord says to. Now, this is where it's sort of funny because. Uh, Habakkuk is saying, Lord, look at Judah, look at your people, look at the, the anarchy, look at the injustice, do something. So he says, the Lord says to him, don't worry, I'm raising up this bloodthirsty nation that's going to come in and destroy Judah. Okay? Um, Habakkuk then is like, his, he responds, verse 12, are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and are silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? So notice what Habakkuk says. It's not really a comfort. Okay. He says, Lord, but why are you getting people who are worse than we are? That nation is worse than we are, and, you, and they're going to come in. And I know that you're just, and you're going to judge us, but they're worse than us. He talks about them. He says, 
Um, he brings all of them up like with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. Uh, and so this picture again of, of, of uh, hooks and dragging people. And um, verse 17, is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? And so he says, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for your answer. So, I mean, so it would be saying, Lord, sure, there's, there's chaos and anarchy in South Africa and there's violence. Lord, what are you, are you going to do something? He says, don't worry. I'm, I'm raising up a, you know, a super violent nation to come in and wipe everyone. It's like, okay, but that's not really yeah. what I wanted to hear. Well, no, but Lord, I still live here. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. And uh, so the Lord then says, the Lord responds. Um, look, it's going to happen. He says, write it down. Verse 3, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all people. This is what the Babylonian Empire is like. Shall not all these take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. For how long and loads himself with pledges? Will not your debtors suddenly arise and those awake who will make you tremble? And it just goes through uh, these woes. Um... Uh, verse 12, Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Um, verse 15, Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your full of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you as will the destruction of the beasts that terrified them. So it's, uh, the Lord is saying, don't worry, Habakkuk. I'm also going to judge them. Okay. Mm. Yes. Okay. Okay. okay, so that's why it's sort of humorous, because he says to, he says to, the Lord is saying, I mean, sorry, Habakkuk is saying, Lord, we need, we need help. Okay. So the Lord says, don't worry, I'm going to send this nation. Then we say, Lord, but they're even worse. Don't worry, I'm also going to judge them. Okay. So uh, it's not so much of a comfort in a certain sense. Okay. <laughs> but uh, God is going to judge and he's going to do what is right. And that's what, how chapter 2 ends. Look at verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. So really saying, uh, as you saw with Job as well. Remember Job, the Lord doesn't answer all his questions. Why is this happening? He, he just shows him that he's in control. And Job says, okay, I'll cut out my mouth. I'm just going to keep quiet. And so it's a similar thing here. God doesn't always answer how we would like him to answer. We can ask. Habakkuk asks, and, and he's crying out to God. It's a good thing. But at the end of the day, 
God is holy and he will do what is right and let all the world keep silence. Uh, in the midst of that, we have a very f- important verse. Verse 4 of chapter 2. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. It's talking about the Babylonians. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Verse 4 of chapter 2. The righteous will live by his faith. Okay. And so he's talking to, to the Jews who are faithful. They will live by faith. And this verse becomes uh, really the foundation of the Reformation and the gospel. Paul quotes it in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. He says, the just shall live by faith. Okay. And for Martin Luther, this was huge because he, he didn't understand it. And then he, he realized, look, we're justified by faith, by trust in the Lord, not by being good. It's by trusting the Lord. It's a free gift. And that was the start of the Reformation because the church had started to deviate from the gospel. They had gone into works-based salvation. And so Paul quotes this verse. He's saying, look, the just shall live by faith. And then Romans is an, is an exposition to, to explain that we're saved not by keeping the law, not by being good, but by, by faith. The writer of Hebrews, though, also quotes this verse in Hebrews 10, verse 38, in a different context. He's talking to believers. And he says, the just shall live by their faithfulness. So now it's saying, if you're just, you you will be faithful. So what's going on here here in the back? Now, I would say they're both, they're they're two sides of one coin. Uh, we, We separate it. We say, we talk about justification. So justification is your salvation when you're declared righteous because of faith in Christ. And that's once off. It only happens once. You're not saved over and over again. It's not that you're saved and you're not saved and you are saved. You're saved. You belong to God. He will never lose you. Um, But then we talk about sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming more and more like Christ or being who who you are. Uh, and it's right to separate them because they are two distinct things, but we mustn't make a big distinction. So in this verse, in the Jewish mind, that they went together. So if you, if, you, if you had faith that saved you, it would also result in faithfulness. Okay? So you can't say, I believe in the Lord, but there's no change in your life. Okay? The Bible doesn't know anything of that. Um, James is all about that. James is saying your works show that you are saved. Okay? So that um, faith and faithfulness go together. Not perfection, but growing in, in holiness. Okay, Chapter 3 then is Habakkuk's prayer and his response to this. And um, he, he, uh, he stops questioning. He keeps silent. And... Uh, from verse 2, he says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. So as God judges, he's saying, Lord, please remember mercy. Um, and then he talks about the Lord and how he, his power, his brightness was like, verse 4, his brightness was like the light, rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plague, followed at his heels. 
He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. Uh, and so he's, it's, it's poetic language just showing the power of God, the majesty of God. Um, verse 10, the mountains saw you and, and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It's lift, it lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped. At the flash of your glittering spear, you marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. So uh, I didn't mention it in Nahum, but Nahum chapter 1 from verse 2. It's really talking about an individual. It's talking about God going and destroying the nations. And here you have another picture of it. you, you see the imagery of a glittering spear marching through the earth in fury and threshing the nations in anger. And this is, which we've mentioned before, the idea of the divine warrior. And so there are many images, many pictures of God in Scripture. We know that he's a shepherd. Um, he's a father. He's uh, described as a rock. All of these things, but he is also described as a warrior who has his sword and his arrows and his spear and he goes through and destroys the nations. He destroys his enemies. Okay. Jesus is a divine warrior. Yes, and so this is a, points us to Christ. <coughs> Christ is the ultimate divine warrior um, who on the cross defeats our, our enemies, death and sin okay. uh, and Satan. So on the cross, ironically, because humanly, it looks like he's weak and pathetic and useless. He's forsaken. Even remember, everyone around is saying he's forsaken by God. He's uh, he's cursed, all of those things. And that's all true. But in that moment, he is also uh, winning and conquering. And then when he returns at the end of the age, then he will destroy his enemies. Okay, All those who refuse to... to to acknowledge him, to yield him, to love him, uh, he will destroy them. So this image is there in the scriptures, and that's what Habakkuk sees. He says, and notice what he says here, verse 13, you went out for the salvation of your people. See, because he loves his people, he will save his people. He's a great husband. He's a great warrior who will kill the enemies of his bride. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked. What does that remind you of? Uh, yeah, Genesis 3. Crushing the head of the serpent. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. So uh, this is his salvation. He's going to destroy uh, our enemies. Um, okay, so it carries on like that. And then... So he's praising God. This is remarkable. It's very similar to Job. Remember, Job doesn't get an answer. He doesn't get really what he's hoping for. Yet at the end, he's praising God. Here, Habakkuk's also praising God. Lord, you are sovereign. You are powerful. And you will do what is right. And you will save your people in in all of this. And then at the end, very famous verses, verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines... The produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold 
and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. So this is remarkable because when the Babylonians come in, it's going to be devastation. And they will eventually destroy Jerusalem and the temple. And of course, when there is warfare, I mean, we can see it. I mean, we know from history and World War II and the footage we can see in the Ukraine and Russia, when there's war, there's famine, there is destruction. Yeah, beautiful cities turn to... to ash, to ruin. Crops are, are burnt up. And that, notice what he says, well, and it's an agrarian culture. It's not as though there's anything else. This is all they have. And then he says, well, if all the trees don't bear any fruit, there's no olives, no fields, no flocks, nothing. Basically, they're going to, they will starve to death. And we know that's also happened. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. So he trusts the Lord. So a picture for us, uh, you know, whatever happens, that we trust God. Because death is in the end anyway. And he'll keep us. And uh, if we lose our lives, then we gain life. We gain eternal life. But to, to have this heart, okay, we cry out to God. He's just. He knows what he's doing. And whatever happens... We can rejoice in him because he, he loves us and he knows what he is doing. And we know that because we look at, at Calvary. We look at the divine warrior who laid down his life for us. The great uh, groom, who, the knight who lays down his life for the, the, the bride. He, he sacrificed himself so that we might be saved. And so that's how we know, okay, it's going to be okay. And whatever happens, we can, we can rejoice. Okay, any questions, comments on that? Finishing a little bit early, can get some beauty sleep this time. <laughs> okay, let me let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for these very powerful short little books. Showing us that even our sin you use for good, Lord. And the challenge to us, Lord, do we, do we love to see people saved? That's, is that the most important thing or is it our, our own comfort and personal happiness? I pray that you would give us more love for the lost. I also pray, Lord, that uh, when, when you answer not the way we would like you to answer, that we would rest in your goodness and know that you're sovereign and that you are God and we are not. And help us to remember the, the Lord Jesus, the great divine warrior who on the cross in weakness defeated our enemies, defeated sin and Satan and death. And Lord, we, uh, we thank you that you're coming back again to make a new heaven and a new earth perfect without sin or temptation or fear or uh, death or sickness. And so may we look forward to that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night.
get the ten bucks? Not in the ring, no. So do they have other training? No, I've done Sistema, I've done Klobogo, I've done Cross School Combat. Just since you are doing I've been a couple of things along the way. All my fighting has been on the street. You learn practical stuff, not stuff for the rules of the ring. Like they say, there's no, what's the word? Like if someone says, oh, you're not fighting fair. Oh, yeah. There's no such thing as fighting fair, there's winning. So if someone comes at you and you hit him on the side of the brick and you win, that's street 